The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and we're going to kind of keep a dynasty theme here going got my buddy eddie almager here from prospects live eddie how you doing oh man james it's been a while uh since i've been on the rotowire podcast and it's i feel like i'm still kind of shaking off that offseason rush i know you know people like yourself like jump straight into like a thousand nfpc leagues i'm like i need to i need to decompress for a little bit but i think this will make this podcast the start of my baseball offseason i'm ready to talk a lot of topics <laughs> well your approach sounds healthier than mine uh, <laughs> but um just can't just can't stop it man it's it's been uh i feel like there's already been sort of different phases of my off season <laughs> had the major redraft itch and now i'm just really into dynasty stuff that that highlander draft we did on yeah. or well you you were sort of participating in on mm-hmm. saturday uh that mm-hmm. that really kind of got the juices going for dynasty for me for sure. so um exciting time of year we've had a, a ton of uh, the big ticket free agents have already signed and, and signed kind of a, in the past week or so. Uh, I wanted to talk briefly about the Trey Turner uh, signing with with Philly and just sort of see if there's any kind of fallout here uh, before we get into some more sort of dynasty specific stuff. But uh, just what were your general takeaways from that move? Uh, do you view it as a, a neutral move or, or a step up or a step down? It's uh, neutral with a slight lean toward slightly depressed value now um i think when i mean the first thing people think of is like what do the parks look like i think dodger stadium and, and you know and citizens back citizens bank is just are kind of similar for the most part i think Phillies plays a little bit better for home run a little bit better for triples so like that's good for Trey turner is kind of you know especially triples and uh, a little bit more juice from the right side um but i think that the, the reason I think it's a slight step down is because of the lineup for the most part. Um, you can't replicate the Dodgers lineup. And especially with Bryce Harper missing about half the season next year, sounds like I'd expect maybe like 85, 90 runs instead of 100 and maybe like 75 to 80 RBI instead of like, you know, I think he got like 100 last year with the Dodgers. So um, we might have seen a career year for Trey Turner last year, mostly because of the lineup, thanks to the Dodgers. And because the Phillies won't be able to replicate that, probably stepped down. And it's interesting because right now he's, he is just barely the number one overall NFBC player in, in, in redraft league. So um, I wondered, you know, do, for you, do you think Julio Rodriguez may, or Acuna leapfrogs him now as, as we move forward? Uh, you know, the the common name I've been seeing is is Jose Ramirez uh, because of the position eligibility. 
everyone sort of has realized third base dries up so quickly that they like kind of getting that that third base spot taken care of uh, if they have the number one pick. But um, I think it's it's an interesting year for the number one overall pick because yeah. I, I definitely think you can go in three or four different directions. I think Acuna and J-Rod both have, have great cases. Out, outfield isn't super deep, so you know nothing wrong with filling your outfield spot there. Shortstop is probably the deepest, though, and I think that's sort of led to sometimes people pass on Trey Turner, even though he is you know, very, very safe from a power speed standpoint. And I think your, your point about the lineups is, is, is pretty fair. I mean, this is about as good of a lineup as he could have gone to. I mean, the Bryce Harper absence obviously is, is going to kind of dampen things in the first half. But uh, I think if you have Trey Turner in dynasty, for instance, or you took Trey Turner in redraft, this is, this is great because he probably wasn't going back to the Dodgers. You're right. I mean, you're not going to be able to replicate Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman at the top, but uh, it's a deep lineup in Philly. Uh, As you said, I don't think people realize just how hitter friendly Dodger stadium has been. It Um, is right. But uh, yeah, I think kind of a neutral park shift for him. And uh, And he was, he was was always going to go to a team that has a, Good lineup, brother. You know, the, oh, the A's or the Marlins aren't aren't right. vying for Trey Turner. You know, <laughs> right, right. Um, is there any other? You know, I think this definitely kind of. If if you were hoping that Gene Segura would go back to Philly, this kind of rules that out. Uh, now, see now the A's and the Marlins might go after Gene Segura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's kind of like a non. I mean, like well, like a yeah. ten ten guy. Which you know, I was looking at his at his at his line and uh, at his years and. And I forgot a few years ago, he was a 2030 guy, Gene Segura. That's kind of crazy to think uh, he posted that line once. Now he's kind of like a, a shell of his old self. Yeah. And then, and then you know, in, in our notes, like you mentioned that, uh, you know, with Bryce Harper gone, uh, there will be a little bit of shifting once he comes back because you expect maybe like Schorber and Trey Turner kind of are the one two or, you know, in some capacity. Um, and I was wondering who might be like Hoskins, Ramudo, Castellanos, who kind of gets the boot once Harper goes down and, yeah, initially I thought Hoskins, James, but he hit second for pretty much most of last year in the Phillies. And, and it, they've shown with Schwarber kind of leading off that they value uh, someone being able, to get, being able to get on base. So maybe like Real Mudo and, and Castellanos are the ones that drop down once Harper comes back. So with Castellanos probably leading the way. Yeah, I think once – and it's it's tough to even look that far ahead, right, because mm-hmm. they – they might trade someone like Reese Hoskins. Uh, one of these six guys might be injured, or one of these five guys might be injured when Harper comes back. But if you just assume that they keep everyone, everyone's healthy when Harper comes back, Castellanos is probably hitting sixth. And uh, I think the toughest call is is whether Hoskins or Real Muto is hitting fifth. Um, it might be Real Muto, but I, I don't think you're dinging. Uh, yeah, Muto much yeah especially the way he yeah. finished the way he finished 2022 gives me hope there's more left in the tank if he had kind of finished the way he started i'm like okay this just might be the beginning of the end here for my guy yeah uh are you buying uh are you buying a bounce back on uh castellanos at all uh not not really i think he's one <laughs> of the guys that's kind of fading down and and i, I posted a poll a couple of days ago um where it was like wh- whom would you prefer to roster you know chris bryant or castellanos and it was literally kind of split right down the middle maybe like 51 49 mm-hmm. castellanos and that was funny that's kind of the same choice i was making about a year ago when we were doing our initial highlander draft castellanos was one of those guys i was considering went with bryant ultimately 
it seems like nothing has changed, just for the worse for both of them. Yeah, I, I mean, Castellanos is probably a better bet for 550 plate appearances than Bryant, but um, Bryant's got some other edges there. But do you uh, want Castellanos getting 550? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, yeah, season, he's got to be a compiler, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you need him playing as much as possible. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts? I don't. I have no idea what your thoughts are on on this player, but uh, Bryson Stott. I've actually, I was sort of very low on him. I think relative to to most people when he was a prospect, like this time last year. Uh, but I think he's, and it, it, I just didn't really see a ton of ceiling there, but uh, I kind of like him for redraft right now just because he is one of those guys that could get you double-digit homers, double-digit steals, qualifies at a couple spots, uh, decent lineup, but now he's going to be probably hitting eighth, uh, you would think, or yeah. seventh or eighth, something like that. I think I think in the redraft world, he, he's going around the 14th round uh, in FPC, so it's... I was looking honestly. His projections are not too dissimilar to like Gene Segura, so it's not as exciting as maybe we want it to be. And I wonder if maybe we, you and I might have been in opposite directions here because I may, I was more excited for him as a prospect, especially me. I, I love prospects with with good, good OBPs and hasn't mm-hmm. really come through yet. Um, and now it's like okay, like this might take a lot longer than I than I realized. Um, it's not immediate success. Um, at, at least not even like walking as much as I would have wanted him to. Um, to kind of cling on to something. So like even in this range like you know conforto ashby like trevor rogers i prefer those guys in in, in sort of in the redraft context and dynasty like you just kind of sort of gotta hang on a little bit but uh, i will temper my expectations as to w- relatively where they were like a year ago so i'm definitely a little lower on him than i was um about a year ago yeah i think um, one of the nicest things about stat for dynasty is just that he I think he's very sort of safely in an everyday role there, mm-hmm. that that middle infield. I mean, that that's going to be pretty good. I mean, having Stott as your everyday second baseman, that's that's pretty good defensively, and they obviously have a lot invested in him uh, based on where they took him in the draft and stuff. So I think the the everyday playing time there, the the, the park, um, solid points for Stott in, in Dynasty. But I think you're you're right on redrafted. It is tough. Like I liked him a lot more in redraft when he, like the very beginning of, of redraft season when he was going a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's talk uh, talk about the Highlander draft from this Saturday. For anyone who's interested, uh, I did a we did a live draft of that. Uh, Jesse Roach did a lot of the the heavy lifting on that episode. Uh, we had a bunch of managers from the Highlander Dynasty Invitational hop on to discuss their pick. That was a one round twenty pick. Uh, redistribution draft for the Highlander Dynasty Invitational, which you and I are both in. Uh, what were your kind of takeaways from that? Because I know you weren't able to participate live, but uh, you sent Jesse some pretty detailed. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a cheat sheet even does it justice there. Uh, but what were your, what were your takeaways? Um, yeah, from- yeah. I mean, I, 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 did you get a chance to see it? I mean, it, he could have. Sh- I know he he was hesitant to share my order on on air. I, he. I, he could have done it without any problem. I told him you should have done it because uh, I think some of the fun of that was seeing how people are stacking up their like rankings evaluations because it really was kind of a free for all in terms of like man like h- how is this going to be valued? Um, uh, my top five were Andres Jimenez, uh, Tyler Glass, now Carlos Correa, Vinny P, and Will Smith. Um, I-, I was hoping uh, at least maybe one of those would would squeak on by. Maybe Correa. 
maybe Will Smith because he's a catcher, but um, ultimately ended up with Chris Bryant, who was 10th on my initial list. I picked 11th. So, I mean, it's kind of oh, like, man, man you know, <laughs> it's, it, it is what it is. It's fine, it's fine with me. Right. Um, uh, I'm still kind of hoping a little bit for that bounce back from Chris Bryant, but I'm kind of being optimistic here. I obviously roster him. Um, I, I think uh, what I learned here from, from our highline that draft, James, was like the, the first 12 picks is kind of where you want to be to get some mm-hmm. value. And then diving deeper, maybe the middle of those first 12 picks. So like picks five, six, seven, eight. That's where you kind of want to be because you can accurately, you can appropriately plan to take someone who falls. But if you, if, if not, you usually have like your, the, the guy you want at that point. Um, and I think there were only a couple surprises for me. Uh, one was Anthony Volpe being selected uh, off of Cross's list. Um, right. By Alex Sanchez. And I was like, wow, like you had Glass now, Andres Jimenez and Christian Javier to choose from. Like he goes Volpe, and, and it makes sense. Like you know, I looked at Alex Sanchez's team afterwards, and he's definitely skewing very young. I mean, he traded for Ali de la Cruz, and um, he's obviously playing to to kind of have a young core. But to me, I mean, you know, I had Andres Jimenez ranked first. That, that would have been my my choice right there. Um, so Eric uh, got lucky. I, I guess he must have paid off Alex before the draft to to, to take that. Um, and <laughs> I, go, go ahead. Well, yeah, I actually I'd I'd love to get Cross's take on that because uh, I. I think it's and Alex. I think uh, like I I just yesterday traded Alex Tristan Casas for Aaron Ashby essentially. Uh, so he he definitely has a you know get the young hitters plan that I think makes sense for his roster. But uh, he might have been one of the only people in the league that would have gone Volpe off of that roster. And, and props to Eric Cross for having a few kind of high demand. Uh, players there to choose from but I actually glass now is actually my top guy available and so you had the fact that you had we each had our top guy available from Cross's roster different guys and neither guy got taken that's interesting yeah yeah I mean yeah and, and sorry Jimenez glass now was my one too for the highlight of the draft and yeah it's it's uh Cross also looking at his team like he's he still needs a few more pieces and, and thankfully none of these these guys were spared um, I think he kept uh, Dansby Swanson um, as his third guy, and I, I, I maybe would have gone Andres Jimenez, but I mean that's just the beauty of it. Dif- different valuations for each person. Um, I think another, I think Teoscar Hernandez went a little higher than I anticipated. He was maybe more like in my fifteen plus uh, mm-hmm. range of, of ranking, but you know Michael Waterly acknowledged a little bit of homerism <laughs> for that pick, so I get it. Uh, other than that, there was nothing like that really uh, stood out or, or, or surprised me too much. It was definitely a lot of fun. Um, well, I mean, Drew Wheeler going to say Suzuki. I would have told him like no one's gonna. I mean, no one would have picked Say Suzuki, in my opinion. But but I know Drew Wheeler has a lot of a lot of love to put it lightly for for Seiya. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I think last five my last like five picks of the Highlander definitely gets a little dicey. That I'm, I'm now seeing it's good to know that those picks maybe don't carry a lot of weight now because um, I mean, Roddy Celes, C.J. Abrams, Ryan Mountcastle, Drew Jones, like nothing nothing earth shattering in my opinion there. So. Good lesson to take forward as we trade for these Highlander picks uh, moving forward. Um, definitely want to. I'm glad I hung on to mine. It, I, it, I was tempted to trade it a couple times throughout the season. Not that Chris Bryant's like a thing I'm championing around, but um, I'm okay with it. By the way, I, I actually had before Chris Bryant, I had Framber and Altuve right above him, and those are the two guys that went right before me. <laughs> okay, so I sniped you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You and well, you and Jesse. Yeah, Framber was sort of that was sort of a worst case scenario for me. I, I definitely had my sights set a little higher there, but uh, can't really complain too much there. I, it's interesting to me that uh, Jimenez was your top 
player, uh, I the projection systems would agree with you. Uh, Steamer says 19 homers, 17 steals, uh, 267 average. I think if he gives you that, he's he's worth where he's going probably in, in drafts. And as a 24-year-old who's got that projection, uh, a clear everyday job, I think it makes sense to have him prioritize for, for dynasty. Uh, I think uh, Chris Vargas maybe mentioned during the, the live draft that, that Jimenez was someone that he mm-hmm. uh, would have wanted there. Um, what do you, do you see, you know, is 2022, can 2022 be Jimenez's, you know, almost career ish year, but him still be a good buy. Do you see room for growth there still? Uh, yes, yeah, so if it's cool, we can jump into uh, that kind of that Wander Franco poll that oh, I. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, so uh, I posted a poll a few days ago, and this is just me curious because we're working on our dynasty list over at Prospects Live. Um, we're going to release the top 1,000 uh, sometime this month. And as part of it, to help kind of curate the list, we're each ranking our top 100 MLB only. And... I realized I really like Andres Jimenez to the point where like in my first edition, I had him above Wander um, and I, I dropped him a little bit, figured out a bit too, too much. Um, but uh, he's in, he's inside my top 30 overall for like MLB only bats and, or rather MLB players. Uh, so pitchers and bats. And um, in the poll, it was, whom would you rather own um, Wander Franco or Andres Jimenez in an OBP dynasty? And, you know, Wander Franco took about 80% of the votes 
which is not surprising at all. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Jimenez is actually a little bit above Wander Franco, like three or four spots in redraft and NFBC. And mm-hmm. um, I think for Dynasty, uh, it makes sense. Like if you've you've probably held on to Wander Franco at this point for three plus years. Like you're not going to want to trade him after a lackluster season. But I don't know, man. I'm going the record and uh, going the record saying that like a year from now that gap is not going to be like eighty to twenty. I think it might be like. 60 40 maybe closer than that i'm just i'm just really bullish on jimenez i think there's a legitimate chance that like each of these next three years a 2020 is in the cards um with the fallback of like a you know 17 16 season which certainly doesn't have the sexy you know sexy sounds of a 2020 season but um he had he had modest but noticeable gains in the power department and i think what what i like about jimenez is it's not just one big thing that changed it's like he lifted the ball a little bit more he barreled it a little bit more he chased a little less. He whiffed a little less. So like, it's like a small combination of small things where he improved, and it's all added up to a really nice season. And I think uh, one, he's a he's a good defender. So like his his glove will be in that lineup. And he, mm-hmm. I think he had I think like fewer than 550 plate appearances last year. So um, if he gets like 620, 630, uh, he just by by factor of volume, I, I think 2020 is in play. Right. So um, that's kind of why I'm into it in OBP leagues. Um, I'm, I'm buying it like, you know, about 340 OBP roughly in average leagues. I think he's also a boon 270, 280. So uh, this is the guy I'm, I'm, I'm chasing quietly but hard in, in, in my dynasty leagues. I don't want to kind of show my hand like maybe I am right now to the world in this podcast. But uh, I, I do like Andres Jimenez a, a lot. Um, so that's why he was my number one guy in Highlander. And that's why I think the gap is not that big in 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 dynasty you know the age is there i think the production is there he's not going to leave that lineup because his glove is good so mm-hmm. that's my pitch on andres yeah no i i i find a lot of that compelling um you know jimenez right now i think it's 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 a it's a good time to buy if you are bullish this is it's fine to you know you could call it buying high mm-hmm. uh but if you think like he's not getting valued by most people like a guy who you can sort of pencil in for around 2020 going forward, I think there's still more risk kind of cooked into his, his price tag. I mean, if, if, if everyone in the redraft community thought he was going to go 2020, his ADP would be around 50, right? So there's, there's definitely enough skeptics out there that uh, he's not being fully priced to, to kind of the player you're describing. So uh, that all makes sense. I I find Wander Franco just to be so fascinating uh, because he has this, you know, he has the, the pedigree and the name value to sort of, um, you know, maybe people that don't follow prospects as closely as I do or, or you guys do at, at Prospects Live you know, it's it's sort of, well, Vlad Guerrero was the number one prospect and the number one international signee. And, you know, you, you had guys like Soto and Acuna and like Wanda Franco's like the next one of those guys. So obviously you should expect, you know, big gains from him as he, you know, turns 22, turns 23. Uh, but I think he's just, what makes him so fascinating is he does not have loud tools, really. It's It's the hit tool. It's the approach, the like massive, you know, it could be an 80 grade hit tool, right? But power, speed, just 
nowhere near those other guys we're talking about. Right, and, and that's and that's my argument. Like that's why I think it should be a little bit closer than maybe that poll indicated. Um, the, the thing with Wander Franco is, you always have to leave the, the the room for the possibility that one day it's like, you know what? Uh, I'll let my my strikeout rate climb to like 19 percent, and I'm gonna trade it in for twenty five home runs because like his hit tool is so good that he can just he can honestly make that switch and hit for power if he wanted to. Um, so it's that can happen at any point, any season. We've seen these kind of small dudes with extremely good hit tools just flip the switch and just turn to power. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you look at the numbers, like his average exit velocity is not great. Like he, he doesn't really bear with the ball too much. So it's, it hasn't shown up yet, but again, he's young and it's, but it's not like he's supposed to be adding muscle either. He's kind of already kind of uh, compact um, with a good build. And he's been that way since before he debuted. But with Wander, it's like you said, James, the counting stats that we kind of find sexy in, in fantasy just aren't quite there. Um, and, and, and I always think back to, Probably one of the biggest, you know, egg and face moments for Prospects Live was when we went and kind of bucked a trend and put Jared Kelnick above Wander Franco in one of our uh, prospect rankings. And obviously that looks really bad in hindsight, uh, but... You just had the think, wrong Mariner. Uh, yeah, yeah, the wrong Mariner, right? But I, I think our argument there was we had gotten numbers back then that like his, his exit velocity and was not good. And like, like, where's the power coming from Wander Franco? So while our end result was poor in putting Kelnick above... Franco, I don't think like we were that far off base as to like okay, like what's what's going to be the attraction here to the Wander outside of like hitting you know three hundred plus each season. So what would be because uh, there I, there are people out there that like just do not follow prospects that closely. No, Wander Franco was the number one prospect, and basically just just by having that information, they sort of think that there's this upside there that you know he could reach he could break out and reach that this year what would be a a stat line like let's just do batting average home runs stolen bases what would be a sort of high-end stat line that you would sort of say is his kind of realistic ceiling for for this upcoming season like not 99th percentile outcome, but maybe, you know, 90th, 95th percentile outcome. For 2023 only. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe like, let's call it 22 home runs, call it like 16, 17 steals, uh, you know, hits 315, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you asked for anything else there, but. No, uh, that's, yeah, I think that. That's that's kind of exactly sort of where I'm at on it too, because uh, it's the 315 average. If if he's hitting for that high of an average, the 22 homers seems like a very fair cap. Uh, yeah. And then if, like you said, if he wants to go for 27, 28, 29 homers, you're not getting that 315 average anymore, probably. And uh, I, I'm looking right now, um, and. That's not too far with the exclusion of runs and RBIs, home run steals, and average to what Freddie Freeman did last year. 21 home runs, 13 steals, 325 average. Um, came with, you know, 117 runs, 100 RBI, right. but uh, that's not too far from, what, from, from, from those numbers. So, yeah, if I think there's – if he just does that or, or even if he just goes, say it's 315 with 20 homers and 15 steals – Everyone who selected him where he's going right now will be able to say, like, see, got 
got him number one prospect. Uh, you guys weren't believing in him. Uh, and like you said, the Freddie Freeman comp, it works for those three stats, but it doesn't work for the other two stats. Right, like, right. That's yeah. part of what makes Freeman so great is the being in the Dodgers lineup. You're getting just a ton of runs in RBI. Um, but I think, you know, Wander, Wander Franco's steamer projection of 16 homers, 10 steals, 287 average. I think that's that seems right on to me for a projection system on him. Um so it's it's a it's a I think what makes him so fascinating to me for dynasty is that the best thing about him is just how high his floor is, but there's not a ton of room between his floor and his ceiling, really. You know, with yeah. with, with a lot of these guys, it's just, well, where's the floor? But think about the ceiling if if this all goes right. Like if he checks all these boxes, the ceiling's just massive. But with Franco the best thing about him in dynasty to me is just how high the floor is given that he's still just 21 years old. That's what, that's what I said. Small gap between the floor and the ceiling. And, and I'm looking at some of the guys around him in redraft, like Vinny P is going one spot before him right now. I, I think I'll take Vinny B uh, kind of like 10 out of 10, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Gunnar I, Henderson. I think I'll take Gunnar Henderson, uh, who's a couple spots below Wander Franco. Uh, I mean, it, of course it depends on like how much average risk did you take before? Like if you, maybe you took O'Neill Cruz for some reason, maybe you want Wander Franco like the next round, but uh, yeah, I think he's more of like, Hey, I need average, like come on board. Like I so I don't want to be treating a player inside the top 100. I was like, I need this already, you know, like more like give me the upside of what you can do as opposed to like, come save my team already. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much about roster construction in, in terms of why I'm just not really that interested because, you know, if, if you're just like, I need a guy that's going to lift up my batting average and we're in round seven of the draft, what did you do with those first picks to the point? <laughs> How did you screw up? <laughs> like, like you, your batting average should be a strength at the point in the draft where Wander <laughs> Pronko's getting selected. And I mean, you could just take a Jeff McNeil or Luis Arias mm-hmm. 200 picks later, or probably not 200 picks later, 150 picks later, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just, batting average is not something I'm really chasing in the early rounds of a draft from like a, a batting average only type of guy, right? You want to take your first round pick should help your batting average. Your your second, third, fourth round pick, they should all be guys that are hitting for a decent average. Uh, maybe went like, Otani, pitcher, pitcher, Jazz Chisholm, or something like that, and your batting average is is not amazing. But uh, very few instances for me uh, where I've, I'm looking at Wander Franco where he's going, yeah. and then the shortstop aspect too. Like we were mm-hmm. kind of talking about with Trey Turner. I mean, it's the deepest position. It's fair. Uh, so where where is the gap? Did are they right next to each other on your your dynasty rankings, Franco and Jimenez? Yeah, tell you right now. Um, Menez is yeah. Juan Franco twenty five. Gunner Chisholm Jimenez. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Gunner. Then, Gunner's. Where Where do you sort of see Gunner's uh, batting average? Obviously, for OBP, I think he's a, a bit more valuable than than batting average. Where do you sort of see his batting average though this year? Yeah, and then and then for for context, my, our rankings will be OBP. I think we're supposed to be able to flip a switch and turn it to average, but uh, we are ranking with OBP in mind. So hence, hence the gunner ag- aggressiveness there. But uh, average, yeah, I mean, I think I could, I think I can see like a two sixty five. I think Gunner is someone mm-hmm. who's shown that he can adjust fairly quickly. 
Um, so like 265 might be the neighborhood we're looking there. So I don't think he'll be a drain kind of right on at, you know, above average nowadays, I guess we consider 265. So um, not not a, not a concern I would have if, if I'm drafting him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Gunner could steal more bases than Wander Franco. And he's yeah. and he's qualifying at third base, which is a big, a big difference there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give me give me Gunner's potential twenty home run. Uh, he he uh, Steamer's got him at twenty two home runs, ten steals, two fifty five average. Right. So give me give me that. I'll trade the average for like the upside of more home runs and more steals. I, I there, there is a scenario where I can see Gunner hitting more than twenty two home runs and maybe stealing more than ten bags. I mean, he stole twenty something in the minors last year. It is minors. They got the new, but you know there are new rules this year, right? So uh, curious to see how that plays out for for his speed. Didn't really run much when he came up last year, but. Um, I'll take Gunner's upside over Wanders is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, long term, uh, I don't know when it'll be, but I do expect Gunner to be a 30-plus homer guy um, mm-hmm. eventually. So, And I don't expect Wander Franco to be a 30-plus homer guy. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's jump into – I asked you to do a little bit of homework here. I mm-hmm. uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do that, but – uh, I'm going to have you give the listeners three players that you think people should be targeting in Dynasty this offseason. And it can be prospects. It could be big leaguers, old big leaguers, young big leaguers. It could be a first-year player draft guy, whatever you want. Uh, so why don't you give me your first player that you think people should be targeting in Dynasty this offseason? Andres Jimenez. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we were in a, we'll consider that uh, a, a bonus. So I, that, that's my big leader there. We'll, well, go get Andrews Jimenez. You heard why already. Uh, uh, some of the people who listened to Prospects Live in the last month and a half or so, we did a, a, a somewhat similar podcast. So they may recognize this Brady House is actually a name that um, I mm. think people should consider going out to get. Um, so Brady House, you know, he was he was shut down with back injury in, in late August. In late June, he went on the aisle with a shoulder injury, and like in May. He got an injury that I dug and dug, and I didn't find out what happened to him in May, but he he left. Like he he stopped playing for a bit. Um, before that May injury in 2022, uh, Brady House hit 326, 408, 449. After that, rest of the year, 230, 303, 299. So, but um, one of the things I'll be referencing, James, in this list is a uh, part of our Prospects Live Patreon. We have what's what we call our, our data driven rankings, and with the help mm-hmm. of uh, Tyrion Alexander, we basically have. Different um, on a twenty to eighty scale, uh, we ranked um, average EV. Uh, uh, I think no, excuse me, ninetieth exit velocity, uh, zone contact rate, chase rate, woba, x woba for pretty much every single minor leaguer. Like this is stuff that isn't public, available to the public. You can't find it on Fangraphs, so um, you'll hear me reference that. So if I say like someone has like an eighty grade ninetieth EV, that just means like they were one of the best in the minors when it comes to like 90 TV. So just some context for the, for the listeners there. So um, despite how poorly Brady house did overall in the season, um, he still had a plus a 60 grade 90 TV, um, an average uh, zone contact rate, um, chase rate a little bit below average, kind of 45 grade more or less. Um, but I think the important thing to keep in mind is if you have a player who's hitting the ball hard and he's making contact in, in the zone, those are the two biggest factors to me right now to success in minors. So if you compare, um, I want to, this is kind of an eye opening for me when I looked into this 2021 versus 2022 power for Brady House. 2021, 90, uh, 90 miles per hour average exit velocity, 
105 miles per hour, 90th, exit, 90th percentile exit velocity, and a 70% contact rate. 2022, 82 average exit velocity, 82, 82 miles per hour. So dropping down from 90 to 82, uh, dropping down from 105, 90th exit velocity to 101, but still maintain that 70% contact rate. So to me, this is someone that just screams like, hey, like this was all injury that kind of screwed up your, your year. Um, I think the upside of a 30 home run bat is still easily there with like an 825 OPS. Um, he's supposed to be healthy for spring, but I mean, I, I will acknowledge I'm not, I'm not a fool. Like injury concerns are now like a real risk with Brady uh-huh. House. Um, but I think he ended up around like 99 or 100 during our Prospects Live October Top 500 update. And I was a little bit higher on him uh, than that. So uh, for me, Brady House, someone that I would go out uh, and grab. I think the upside is still there, especially when you know when he was drafted. He performed really well last year. Kind of the helium really went uh, really quickly for him. So um, that's my first name, James Brady House. I think injuries really dinged him up. Um, and we've seen the power. It just sapped it last year because of it. Yeah, I, I really like the call on Brady House because there you have to dig beneath the surface stats from last year to kind of get the full picture, as you were saying. I mean, he was someone who I think I want to say I entered the year with him kind of in like around 75th overall or so on the, the prospect rankings. And then after he just got off to that awesome start, I bumped him way up, uh, probably top 40 or so. Uh, and he deserved it based on what he was doing at single A before the injuries. And so now he's he's been out of sight, out of mind. He played long enough through whatever was ailing him, uh, back injury or whatever. Uh, he played through it to the point that he kind of tanked his numbers a little bit. Uh, so now you have that that slash line and that isolated power and the, the strikeouts and walks, it, it looks like it was just kind of a mediocre season for Brady House at single A. But like you said, when he was healthy, he was playing like the, the super high pedigree uh, high school shortstop that, that he was uh, entering the draft. So I, I love that call. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just to me, I think this is an easy, an easy uh, buy low uh, in Dynasty. I mean, uh, you want you want to sometimes target players that something was obviously wrong with them here was the injury and like the pedigree has been high so this is a chance to maybe buy in if it works and i mean i guarantee the price you pay right now is gonna look silly you know if he does well and if it doesn't work then you know then you shouldn't have been paying that much to begin with yeah and and it's he's an especially appealing target if you are a rebuilder and if you're lucky enough for House to be on the roster of a contender, uh, because he is, you know, three years away probably, and so if you're a rebuilder, I love the idea of of trying to buy buy low on him this offseason. Uh, all right, who's your second player that people should be going after this winter in Dynasty Leagues? Uh, this is absolutely no surprise coming from a prospects live person. Uh, Kobe Mayo, I, I think, is a name that I'm just I'm not going to quit. Um, he was someone who we were pretty aggressive with in like, the first half of 2022 on our top 500. He was like top 35. Finally relented a little bit because I finally dropped him a little bit. Uh, I think he ended up 49 in October. Um, and I think he it's kind of like a tale of two, uh, of two halves here for for Kobe Mayo. And in his high A debut, you know, he had great power, slugged almost 500. Um, we have our Robo Scout tool and Patreon, and he ranked uh, 84 
uh, for his Robo score, which is pretty strong. It's on a scale of one to a hundred. Um, and then he kind of got the bump to double a, um, not great. 250, 331, 398. Um, so the power kind of, kind of left him. But he, what I like about Kobe Mayo is that he makes more contact than you might realize given the average. Um, and, and again, shout out to Tyrion Alexander who released uh, an article about best fastball hitters a, a few weeks ago on, on our main site. Um, Kobe Mayo has a 91% contact rate with a 41% hard hit rate in the upper zone against, against fastballs. And that's the best in all of the minor leagues of that combo. Like no one hit the ball harder with that much contact in the top zone against fastball than Kobe Mayo did. Um, and, and to me, he just crushes, he crushes flat fastballs. So like, uh, and that's fastballs with like a induced vertical break of like 18 inches or more. And that just means he's built for today's game. P- you know, pitchers are throwing at the top of the zone with their flat fastballs and Kobe Mayo eats those up. Now, all right, where does he struggle? Kind of in the bottom of the zone is kind of, is his, is his issue. Pitches, you know, breakers and stuff. He doesn't really perform well, but he knows how to lay off them, right? So going back to those data-driven rankings and that 20 to 80 scale I mentioned before, um, 60 grade, you know, in his 90th exit velocity. He's got a 55 in zone contact and chase rate. So he still hits the ball hard and he makes contact in the zone. And to me, he turned, I think he just turned 21 or is about to turn 21. So I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that his poor double A performance um, should hinder him that much. To me, it opened the window, if anything. And I generally think there's still top 20 upside here. I'm like so in on like pretty much every single Orioles bat given how well they're developing them there. So Kobe Mayo, give them to me all day. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I, I like this call too. Uh, it's interesting because I, I saw uh, Eric Birdland uh, on Twitter, who uh, I think does the represents the Orioles in the, the annual Prospects Live mm-hmm. uh, mock draft. I think he, he was having a back and forth with uh, Eric Cross yesterday. And he said he has Mayo as his number one prospect in the whole system, if I'm reading his tweets correctly, which uh, I respect that that take and that that confidence. I it's just such a loaded system. I can't go there on that. And I, I hope I'm I'm uh, kind of understanding his tweet correctly there and not not misspeaking. But uh, it is just really impressive how well. Uh, a lot of their you know, guys they've invested a lot in uh, in terms of draft capital, how well they've developed those guys so far. I mean, it looks like uh, like I think Jackson Holiday looks like a, a future superstar. Uh, Kowser and Norby have developed about as good as you could hope. They, they look close to helping out. And uh, Mayo is, is sort of a, a forgotten man. And, and you can look at and his stats, his stats don't jump in the upper levels the way that that Norby's and uh, Kowser's do. And, but you have to remember this is the prep bat and those guys were the college bats and they pushed him really aggressively last year. Uh, You know, I don't, I think many orgs would have just left him at high a probably, but uh, I do like that call quite a bit because it's always nice to trade for a player when at the last level they were at, there's some kind of uninspiring statistics. Exactly. And I mean, listen, the Orioles, the Orioles like bats who don't chase, uh, hit the ball hard and mm-hmm. make contact in the zone. So like that's kind of like the common thread between a lot of their prospects when you kind of look at it. And Kobe Mayo does all three. Right. So he doesn't chase. He hits the ball hard 
and he makes contact in the zone. Um, so this is it reminds me a little bit, and I'm not saying he'll turn into Gunner, but I'm in more in the. It reminds me just Gunner Henderson. I think what was it, 2021? There was a point where like we were high on him, and then he really struggled. Um, and we're like, damn, like Gunner Henderson kind of. We planted our flag on him hard in early 2021, and he's kind of letting us down a little bit here. And then he just turned around big time. So to me, this is like Kobe Mayo. Like he's right now where Gunner is, like where people are kind of down yeah. on him a little bit. Yep. And I think there's there's a big future coming. So to me, another Kobe Mayo, another name you should be trading for. Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, or great callback to that to when Gunner did kind of have that one uh, lean stretch. Uh, what what's your prediction for? Because we, we're talking about all these O's guys, and and a lot of them are close. Uh, what's your prediction for sort of let's say let's say twenty twenty four pre arrival of Jackson Holiday? Who is their everyday second baseman? Who's their everyday shortstop? Who's their everyday third baseman? Hmm. I think Gunner stays at third. He's a really really great defender at third. So I, I think he sticks there. Um, at least basically Norby. I think Norby probably comes up and then he becomes a second baseman. As for shortstop, um it's kinda of, you got Mayo, Westberg, and Ortiz. Westberg, uh what uh, yeah, Westberg. Now now you got me thinking because Westberg isn't the greatest defender. He might shift to a little bit of a utility role. I like the bat and I actually like the bat a lot. Um, but I think because they're kind of stacked up like Gunner can be a shortstop. He's a better third baseman, though. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking logically, like they maybe want the glove where it's best. But then maybe you think if Gunner can man short, they maybe take that trade off. Maybe put like Westberg at third and like move him around a little bit. Um. So, and, and yeah, you do have Ortiz. I'm not. I, I feel like you know more about Ortiz than I do, James. I know you're a little bit, a little bit higher on him. Um. I, I like him as well. But, um, 2024, man. Well, you know, probably one of Ortiz or Westberg ends up in a yeah. utility role. Um, and then I guess what I was sort of getting at is like, is Mayo is Mayo going to end up at first base slash DH? For them? I could see that. I mean, yeah. I, I, I could see that. I mean, because they'll, they'll still have some. Uh, is I wonder if Santana will be still in a contract. He might. He might be on the tail end. He might not be on the on like the next great they'll, Orioles team. They'll probably they'll probably flip him before yeah. he hits free agency i would guess um okay so we've got i love loving both these calls so far we got brady house with the nats we got kobe mayo with the orioles who is the third player that that people should go out and get this offseason in dynasty uh i'll throw out an fypd name nothing nothing crazy here uh i just kind of want to maybe push up his his adp a little bit more here Dalton rushing from from the dodgers catcher uh Fantastic debut. Um, kind of well, nice little voice crack there. Uh going from uh full season. I mean, just I want to reread these numbers again. Super small sample size, 28 games, which is just so silly. Uh 424 average, 539 OBP, 778 slug, identical walk and strikeout rates at 16%. Just he just had a really monstrous debut as a 21-year-old. Um, and, and again, calling back to those data-driven rankings. Um 70 grade on the 90th EV hits the ball really, really hard. Uh 50, 50 grade average zone contact. So again, hitting the ball really hard and making contact at an average rate inside the zone. Uh, a plus on chase, chase rate. So he, he, he chases less than average and a plus on uh, how often he's swinging in the zone, right? So like, again, we have a prospect who swings a little bit more often than usual inside the zone, doesn't chase, 
when he's swinging in the zone, he's making average contact. And when he makes that contact, it's going really far because he's hitting it really hard. And it's just, it's a simple kind of one plus one equals two for me uh, with Dalton rushing. And I think he's, uh, we were working uh, with one of our patrons in one of his private chats. And I think he said he got Dalton rushing a few weeks ago in like the mid to late twenties. And I was like, that's absurd. That's that's what an incredible price that is. I have him as I think 14 or 13 in my personal FYPD rankings. So to me, this is a bona fide first rounder. And, and if you, for some reason want to trade out of like, maybe you pick four or five, cause you maybe won't get one of the prep guys uh, trade down to like 10, 11, 12 and aim for Dalton rushing. Uh, I think he's, he's ranked 80th on our top 500 from October. Um, and it, he'll probably hang around there come February. But, uh, yeah, I'm all in on Dalton Rushing, man. Really, really good. I'm not, and I'm not really worried right now about, okay, how does he fit with Diego Cartaya and, uh-huh. like, Will Smith? You know, like, that's just not, like, a problem right now that I'm worried about. I never I, I never draft about, like, oh, man, I need I need some pitchers in my farm. Like, no, like, just don't worry about the position your players and your farm system are playing. Just draft the skills. So, Dalton Rushing, so, last name. Does that uh... – so I think I'm probably least bullish on the rushing call of the three. I really, really strongly endorse the first two. Uh, I think you, to me, I do. When it comes to catcher, I'm not trying to have four or five catching prospects on my dynasty team. Uh, I could easily roster four or five good catching prospects every season because they pop up. And they're the people are slowest to grab the catching prospects because mm-hmm. if you're an active dynasty manager, you're going to have probably a, a quality big league catcher, at least kind of like a top 12 ish, top 15 ish big league catcher. Uh, and then, you know, last year alone, you could have scooped up, depending on the depth of your league, you could have scooped up Andy Rodriguez, you could have scooped up Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, you could have scooped up Edgar Caro. You could have, you know, you could get Dalton rushing in the second round of a FYPD. Do you have a problem rostering more than, you know, two or three catchers in a dynasty? Because like, in my experience, it's, it's hard to trade those guys and yeah. get fair value. Yeah. So, so maybe I miscommunicated. So I don't, I'm not a fan of like rostering a ton of catchers. Uh, I am, although we're in a little bit of a catcher renaissance right now. Um, but what I meant was within the Dodgers org, like I, yes, I'm yes. not worried about like how how like Cartaya versus Rushing is gonna shake out, you know. So, but but yeah, like as 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 principal, I mean, listen, I I hate catching, I hate catchers, right? So <laughs> I, I don't like catching prospects, uh, but I do acknowledge that 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 tide has shifted a little bit over the last two to three years. Um, no, I'm not trying to roster four or five guys, and like if I have a good one, like I have Diego Cartaya and like Tyler Soderstrom in one league, and now. Soderstrom probably not going to be a catcher, you know, more than likely not. Right. But yeah. I'm like, okay, I got Cartaya. I'm good. Like, I don't really need, like, I don't, I'm not trying to seek Dalton rushing in that league. I'm not trying to seek Logan Hoppy in that league right now. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you that when it comes to how many catchers you roster, I mean, keep it to one or two for the most part. Um, and if you got a surefire catcher, then you can forget about that position for a while. Yeah. And it obviously depends, you know, if you're starting two catchers, maybe you want yeah. two ones you can, uh, roll out with confidence that are in the majors and then maybe you have room for a, a third who's a, a high-end high upside prospect but yeah. uh once you you know if you're like i think i'm in i'm in one dynasty league where i have like i just picked up 
enough <laughs> good catchers to the fact that I already I do have like four now, and you just you just can't get anything in trade when when someone looks at your roster and sees that you have four of the top. 18 dynasty catchers you're just not going to get a ton when you try to move those guys so they just become sweeteners in trades at that point right and uh and i did i mentioned this on the the saturday podcast but i do think with this catcher renaissance that we're seeing especially i know that there's there's probably people that play in you know 15 team one catcher dynasty leagues uh i think there's there's going to be a point if we're not already there where starting one of your catchers in a util spot is going to eventually start making sense if enough of these catching prospects kind of perform at the level that we we think they will uh there's just going to be situations i think in dynasty leagues where it's a viable move to be starting two catchers even in one catcher league just because there is such kind of a an influx of talent at that position that's fair, and I hope I never to be doing that. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't sound fun. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Now let's let's uh, let's get to the three players on the flip side that you think people should either be sort of trading or fading. You know, if, if we're talking about a first year player draft or a startup dynasty draft, fading and then trading um, for for established leagues and stuff like that. So, who is the the first player? that you would be advising people to kind of be be shopping or, or staying away from this offseason? This one's always a little tough because, right, you, you, I, the way I look at it, you know, you, you ask me, like, who are some players you want to be buying? I just opened my dynasty leagues. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm glad I own this guy. Like, you should go get him. Um, uh-huh. But like, with, you, you don't want to look at your team like, man, this guy sucks. I wish I could get rid of him, right? So, mm. But I, I did do that with one of them, and that's, that's John Carlos Stanton in, in our Highlander <laughs> draft. So, uh, you know, Rostering Stanton right now is, is a little scary, especially in an average league. You know, last year he took a huge, hit like 221, I think. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was 2022 was the first real step toward his like career decline. Um, I'm not, I'm not questioning the power has gone anywhere. Um, I think he's still like a potential 30 home run bat with like 120, 130 games. But give me someone like, you know, Matt Olson, Springer even like Santander or like even Rowdy Telez over like Stanton at this point in an average league. So um, I think if you have Stanton, especially in an OBP league where he still has some value, uh, more value than an average league at least, like look into moving him. I, I know power was a little bit down across the league last year. So like there is some some value in rostering his 25 to 30 home runs, but uh, he's a little bit of a headache to own. He, you know, he will get injured and ultimately um, – you can probably still bank a little bit on the name value uh, for Stanton and, and, and get someone that shouldn't be a step down, uh, to be honest. So I've I've ended up with Stanton in a couple uh, draft and hold. Actually, no, I think a couple gladiator leagues. Um, I don't mind him for redraft, but where do, where do you sort of see? And I mean, you're you're definitely right. You know, two eleven average last year, two ninety seven OBP, pretty big steps down from what we've been accustomed to. And he actually, you know, he, he was about as durable as you could hope for Stanton these days, mm-hmm. 110 games. Uh, but, you know, he did have a 227 Babbitt, which is extremely low uh, for him. Uh, and he, he started off really hot, too. So, like, if I'm looking, like, you just kind of this arbitrary endpoint here on the Fangraphs game log. But uh, starting in mid-May, for example, uh, from, so from mid-May to the end of the year, uh, 174, 283, 422. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, rough, rough finish for my guy. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, I mean, we're looking at, you know, he had a 240 XBA. Steamer has him for 247. I assume you're taking an, an under on 247 for, for 2023. Yeah. I'll take the under. I mean, it may, it may not be my much, but uh, that, that 220 dip was, was big. I mean, he, contact rates went down a little bit i mean two levels that they have been before so it's not the first time he has like a 66 percent contact rate but uh it, it is a little bit a little bit of a dip down than when it was the last couple of years prior yeah i think uh, of the names you mentioned i think uh i think rowdy Tellez. you could probably turn stanton into rowdy Tellez in a decent amount of dynasty leagues i would think because with stanton you know he's gonna play when he's healthy uh, given the contract and he is, he, he is still, you know, he's, he's a de-juiced ball proof. He's one of yeah. the three guys, you know, like you've got Jordan Alvarez, uh, Aaron judge, uh, Stanton is probably top five in terms of just doesn't matter what baseball it is. He can still hit it out to every, every corner of the park. Would you, I mean, am I wrong in thinking that in a dynasty league, you can trade for rowdy? And like expect a little something extra. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I think if you can find a a match where the person who has Stanton is clearly in win now mode, uh, or the per- the person that would be acquiring Stanton is mm-hmm. clearly in win now mode, I think it it would probably make sense for both parties. Uh, maybe a little something. Uh, with rowdy but yeah i think that that's a fit that might be out there for some people um, okay cool all right so who is uh the second person that you you think people should be staying away from or, or trading this offseason uh this this would have been about a lot more uh i don't know shocking is the right word but like just about a lot more like oh really as, as it is right now i think everyone's kind of on this right now but uh robert hassel is just a name that i think you should you should move this year um <laughs> get, get what you can uh, get what you can for him yeah trade. yeah uh I, I've been off the hassle train for a few months. I don't think he's more than an average player, is to be honest. He's outside of my, he's outside of my top sixty at this point. Um, I think it, going back to the data driven rankings I've been mentioning, it's just just fifties across the board for Robert Hassel and like yeah. you know average EV contact. Like even his contact rates that are supposed to be the carrying thing for him weren't so great last year. Um, just to give you some con, I, I moved him like uh, I think like summer of last year. Um, and in a twenty team OBP league, and I moved. Hassel and Trevor Rogers back when he was in the struggle bus for Zach Veen, Jordan Westberg, and a first for this upcoming uh, FYPD. So um, it hurt to move Trevor Rogers because I, I love Trevor mm-hmm. Rogers, but it, I was happy to move Robert Hassel for like someone like Zach Veen and Jordan Westberg. So uh, just Hassel is just just an average player. I mean, he'll be he'll be fine, but um, I don't think there's any sort of star upside with him. Yeah, I'm, I I haven't quite gotten this far yet in terms of solidifying my sort of big update to the prospect rankings that'll go up in uh, late January, but Hassel, I've got Hassel at 45 right now. I can guarantee he won't be top 50. Uh, let's see. I Like for instance, I don't think you could probably pull this off. I would take self relic 10 times out of 10 over Robert Hassel. Uh, that might be, that might be doable uh, depending on what rankings the person is, is kind of looking at. Uh, yeah. 
are there any are there any other names that that sort of prospect names where you you could see the consensus still being on Hassel, but you would you would make the the swap for a different like would I don't know would you trade him for Emmanuel Rodriguez? Oh, that's like that's not even close. Like easy man. I but I I'm really high on Emmanuel Rodriguez. I like how about top, top thirty high? How about uh, Dustin Harris? Uh, let me let me. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna pull up my own rankings within our top 500 here. So Harris, I have um, 84 and Hassel at 65. So okay. it's it's close. Um, I I might take I might take Harris. Um, at that point, um, here are some names I personally have above Hassel. Sure. Yeah. Um, let me see Tanner Bybee. I have above Hassel. I have Colson Montgomery. I have Harry Ford. Adele Amador. Um, obviously, Kobe Mayo, um, Gavin Cross, um, Jason Dominguez, Connor Norby, Westberg, Rocchio, Jackson Mero. Uh, all those guys are above Robert I think Hoffman, that, that, you know, Mayo is actually a really good name because I, I don't think you could do this. I think I would think you could maybe do that swap in maybe 50% of situations. If I you think just... people, I think, I think, yeah, I think you, you, you can easily acquire Mayo for a hassle and then maybe like, Get a little bit more, maybe like a pick, a, a mid round pick somewhere, mid draft pick as well. You know, maybe like Mayo and maybe, like a third. Yeah, perhaps. I'd probably, I'd probably start the offer out there, but I'd, I'd probably just settle for a straight up swap if, yeah, if sure. necessary. Um, but that, yeah, that's a, that's a good sort of range of players and a good list of players out there for people that want to. And nobody wants to sell low, but uh, you kind of look at hassle. I mean. I suppose he could he could have a rebound uh, next season after like a full off season to kind of get accustomed to his new new team. But um, I mean that that run he had at at high A with the Padres last year is doing a lot of the lifting in terms of if you want to be high on Robert Hassel because. It's, Listen, uh, I, I, I in that same league where I traded him away th- that year prior, I traded for Robert Hassel. I think it was pretty much. I mean, if I'm maybe remembering, I think it was literally just I moved Robbie Ray for Robert Hassel, and, and when I was kind of like tearing down a little bit, and I was like, oh hell yeah, like I got Robert Hassel. I remember being excited, you know. So like, and now it's like, well, I got, I, I, I moved him for what I could. Yeah, yeah. I think you you don't want to just give him away um, for some guy that you know is, is kind of almost a replacement level prospect or something like that but mm-hmm. uh yeah I, i'm with you there all right so who is the uh final uh guy to, to get off of this offseason um how about a guy that i think almost nobody rosters yet and uh, masataka yoshida <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling for one of the mpb imports to uh I, i'm just not interested at all um this is uh, anyone not familiar uh, coming over from the MPB. He's an outfielder, uh, lefty bat, uh, 28 years old. I think he'll be 29 next year. Um, and his numbers on the MPB look good. You're gonna look at, you're gonna pull him up. Say, like, oh wow, he hit like 20 home run, 21 home runs, and he hit 336 with a 449 OBP, and he you know slugging over 500 for like the last like four or five years. Uh, but to me, this is someone who. Um, he's going to come over. He's going to have an excellent average. I think he, the bat to ball ability is, is truly excellent. Um, but everything else, it, to me, is just going to be lackluster. Um, and we're going to be looking at someone who maybe hits like 
280, 290, and has less than 15 home runs and doesn't run too much. So uh, we've talked a little bit earlier earlier about some of the guys that that's just not really interesting to me at this point. Give me some of the upside. And he's more of a guy that you pick up to fill a need at this point. So I don't, I don't have him ranked quite yet in in my next dynasty update, or rather prospect only update. But I expect he'll be outside the top 100. And I know he's a ready-made big leaguer, but I just think the upside isn't there for Yoshida. So um, if you happen to roster him, consider moving him before like we see the performance uh, come to, uh, you know come come the regular season. I've I've officially pumped the break, James, on some of these imports. I was definitely in on. Oh man, I'm blanking. Who was the one last year? Um, that came in. I, no, it was Saya, but was there someone else? I forgot. Are you it, thinking it, about like Hassan Kim from a may, couple years it, ago? It may have been Hassan Kim. Yeah, I was definitely in on Hassan Kim. I was definitely in on Saya, and both of those guys have let me down. I mean, they're they're they excel some other things, but when it comes to the fantasy realm, um, I'm now in the prove it to me first, and I'm I'm okay being late. I'm okay then having to buy high if I need to, mm-hmm. but uh, I will pass on them uh, if the price is too high here. Yeah, I, I usually am, am hands off on the 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 Asian imports when they come in. Uh, there's usually just there's somebody or maybe a few people in in my leagues that are more excited, and it's just uh, I think it's okay to just admit that you don't necessarily know and to kind of be agnostic on some of these guys because there's just so much that goes into making that transition. And it's so hard, you know, anyone who is just looking at video from a year ago on these guys and looking at their baseball reference page and trying to tell you that they're extremely confident what this player is going to be, you know, it's kind of BS to me. Um, So I'm with you on that generally. I will say on Hassan Kim, I was all the way out on him for first-year player drafts, but I'm kind of actually – all the way in on him for uh, redraft right now because of how cheap the price is. And I think there's, I, I was getting a little worried when there were rumors that that could be a Trey Turner destination, but uh, Kim is, is just a really, really good defender, which I didn't think would be necessarily part of the equation with him. And if you project full-time playing time for Kim this year, he, he gets to double-digit homers, double-digit steals pretty easily. And he's got uh, a pretty nice duo of shortstop and third-base eligibility. So I was completely out on Kim, and now this offseason I'm in. So maybe this will be one of those things where I should have just stayed out the whole time and it ends up looking bad. But uh, you can get him late 200s right now in uh in redraft and so i don't i don't mind that price and and kind of like you were saying i'm okay just missing like if someone's going to come over and just be awesome i'm okay missing on that but just because you're low on one of these guys when they come over doesn't mean you can't get back in once you see something i mean kind of same thing with say suzuki i wasn't really on him last year mm-hmm. but I, I i i thought he was impressive when i when i saw him play in in 2022 and uh He's, he's definitely going to hit in the middle of that lineup. So I think you can kind of adjust on the fly, but I don't really like buying in kind of blind on these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, well I, I can see the appeal, right? So let me, let me then, let me spend a draft pick rather than, oh shit, this guy is good in April. Like, like say Suzuki was, if, if you maybe, if someone traded for say Suzuki at end of April, they probably paid a 
pretty, oh, yeah. pretty nice price for him, right? And then that, that kind of turned south. Um, and, th- and I think one thing that maybe is often forgotten is the 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 gap in fastball velocities in the MPB versus yeah. major leagues. It's like the MPB has an average fastball of like 90 miles an hour, and I think it's like 93 now, approaching 94 mm-hmm. in the majors. So that's that's huge. That's it's I mean, such a different game. So yeah. it's that's that's a big adjustment, and that's kind of the reason why. You know, you see someone hitting 20 home runs easy in the MPB. And I go, all right, let me cut that in half for the majors. Right. Yep. Okay. So uh, we got the three buys. We got the three sells. Uh, it's time for the, the final segment of the show. Uh, we'll be keeping keeping going with our ADP segment here. Uh, we got the 15th round of NFBC Draft Champions ADP. Uh, so far, we've done the 11th round, 12th round, 13th round, and 14th round. Uh, so I'm going to read out the 15 players who have an average ADP, or an average ADP, who have an ADP of the 15th round in the FBC, and then Eddie and I will each pick a guy that we are buying and a guy that we are selling at the cost. So we got Jack Flaherty, DJ LeMayhew, Trevor Rogers, Anthony Rendon, Bryson Stott, Lars Nootbaar, Danny Jansen, John Birdie, Gene Segura, Christopher Morrell, Reed Detmers, Sonny Gray, Jose Barrios, J.D. Martinez, and Ramon Laureano. All right, Eddie, who is the player from this group of 15 that you are buying in the 15th round? Um, I was between two names here. Uh, I'll go one, and then after you reveal your second name, uh, maybe I'll toss the third one okay, if he wasn't sure. picked by you. Um, I'll go with Lars Nootbaar here. Ah! <laughs> for uh for the buy here uh man i mean he the cardinals just keep producing these outfeeders and uh new bar i think is low-key someone who if, if there was some way to like place bets on like you know steamer like projections right right on vangrass i would push the over hard on like what is not what his line is um i think he, i think 18 home runs seven steals 247 average is what he's is what he's kind of pegged for now but yep I could easily see this being a 25 home run bat uh, come end of 2023. Um, he's someone that, if you remember, like there was a big article on him from Driveline early last year, or rather earlier this year, of how he went there and he improved his swing speed. And swing speed um, is something that I don't, I don't know if a lot of people realize is so impactful to your impact uh, at the plate. Um, and just because it's one of like the last frontiers of stuff we don't have like data on, um, at least on the public side. Um, but he added eight miles per hour to his swing speed. And that's the difference of hitting the ball 35 feet further now on average, right? So every time Lars Nukbar puts the ball in the air now, it's going 35 feet further than it was before he did the whole program. So for me, just overall, Nukbar, I think, is just someone who might be on the cusp of like a really strong breakout. And, and on that swing speed kind of in ball on the impact, compare his 2021, um, which is only 58 games, to his 2022, 108 games. But Jumped up at, uh, average EV, 89 to 91 miles an hour. His max EV, 109 to 113. His barrel rate, 4% to 12%, right? And all while maintaining contact uh, at the same pace. So, um, Newt Barr, I think we're headed for 25 home runs. And if he hits near the top of that uh, Cardinals order, which he's, I think Ross Resources has him at leadoff. I don't know if that's going to be the case to begin with. But if he does end up at some point in the year hitting in the top half, that's going to be very fruitful. Yeah, uh, Nupar would have been my pick as well. Uh, one of the nice things about playing in a in like a co-managing a, a dynasty team with Eno Saris is that I I hear about stuff like that driveline 
trip before it's written about sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as Newt Bar came into playing time last season, I added him pretty much everywhere. And it was it was solid. It was a solid run. But he, he did get unlucky with that 228 average. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you, you know, we're kind of just talking about Seiya Suzuki. I think Lars Nukbar is kind of 90% of Seiya Suzuki this year. And he's going, I don't know, five, six rounds later. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a good call. I, I would definitely take Nukbar over Suzuki this year. And he... You know, he might be, it's funny, like whenever I talk about Jordan Walker and just kind of, you know, where does he fit into this Cardinals lineup? Like, who's the player that's kind of on the outs? And you start talking about the Cardinals outfielders. I feel like Newt Bar is the one who's most locked in, which is kind of weird to say when you got Dylan Carlson, former top prospect. You got Tyler O'Neill, who was, you know, getting drafted in the third round a year ago. Um Newt Bar being sort of the most locked in, the most steady of their their outfielders there is is interesting. I I don't know. He did play twelve games in center field last year. He might have to move to center if they want to if they want to do a Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Walker at the corner uh, outfield spots and kind of demote Carlson. That would kind of leave Newt Bar having to patrol center. But um, yeah, I think double or twenty plus homers he could flirt with 10 steals and then, yeah, if he's leading off, um, obviously you don't want him getting platooned. Uh, but he was, he was playing pretty much every day um, for good, good stretches of the second half last year. So I'm not that worried about that one. Yeah. Um, all right. So I got to pick someone who's not Newt Bar. Um, So of these 15 players, the ones who I have shares of so far are Trevor Rogers, Bryson Stott, Newt Bar, Danny Jansen. Okay, so I'm down to – I think I'm down to Danny Jansen and Sonny Gray here. Um, I'm going to say Sonny Gray. Uh, I – I know that he he's not a, a good bet to get you much more than like 140, 150 innings. But he was excellent last season when he did pitch, and uh, he I think he finished quite strong uh, in this range. This this kind of caliber of pitcher here. Uh, there's there's no real sure things like I I, I think that he's about as safe as any pitcher that you're going to be able to get from the 15th round on from just a, how they will perform when they're healthy standpoint. And I think it's an okay team context for getting wins. Uh, I think if, if you get more than 140 innings, it's, it's a nice, nice profit. And even if you just get 130, 140, I think it's fine. So uh, I've been ending up with a decent amount of sunny gray in the middle rounds. I'm uh Trevor Rogers would have been my second pick. Um okay. he's, someone, he's someone that I like, so we're we're simpatico there. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with your boy Reed Detmers. I thought it was a slam dunk. Well, I love Detmers. I I almost mentioned him. Uh the big so the reason I didn't go with Rogers is just I think you gotta expect kind of like seven wins, something something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, bad. True. So tough to tough to only get six, seven, eight wins from a pitcher you're taking this high. I do I do think he bounces back. 
in a big way. Um, so I, I do have some Rodgers. And then I do have some Detmers. Um, I hate the fact that you're probably not getting any two-start weeks out of him. Um, Fair. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the knock I have on on the Angels pitchers, even the ones I like. But I, I this is a this is a fine round to to get sort of SP four, SP five guys. Um, so yeah, I, I co-sign going after those guys as well. But I, I like Gray a little bit more. All right, uh, who is the guy that you're fading from these fifteen? Uh, this is a super easy call for me. It's DJ Lemayhew. You know. I get it. Maybe he hits like 270, but like you're getting 10 home runs. Maybe uh, playing time might not, not might not be there the full way. He's not going to steal you anything. This is like about as empty as it comes, to be honest. And it's not even like empty batting average because like it's like the batting average is not that great either. So this is a simple like, what are you actually giving me here? So DJ LeMahieu, you know, 34 easy call. I just just is on a, on the decline. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Uh... Yeah, you just don't. I mean, if he's only playing three, four days a week, he's basically unusable. Yeah. Um, so I've, again, I've got a few guys to choose from here. Um, actually, if, you know, a few guys I'm just completely out on. Uh, hmm. It's just like uninspiring guys, right? John Birdie, <laughs> Gene Segura. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just the guys that's like, eh, you know, do I really want to pay these dudes? <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanna. I wanna. I wanna talk. Uh, talk junk about a bunch of these guys. Um, <laughs> I think I'm much. gonna. <laughs> all right. I think I'm gonna say. I think I'm gonna say John Birdie. I. I do wanna. I. I'm. I'm out on Flaherty. I'm out on Rendon. Um. I'm out on. Lariano, but I will I'll go with Birdie here because you're obviously you're you're taking him for one stat and it's the stolen bases. But do we know that he is playing every day out of spring training? And if he opens the year in a utility role, how long are you holding him for these steals? And then if you took John Birdie in the 15th round trying to get 25, 30, 35 steals, how does that impact how you drafted the rest of your team? Because if you're taking him there, you you need those steals. And does yeah. that mean you're not chasing speed later because you're banking on the 30 steals you have from Birdie? I just, I don't like, it's kind of, it's throwing a wrench into your whole build. Uh, it's great. It's great when you can add him off waivers and get those steals that way. But I just, I think taking him in the 15th round is, a, is just a huge mess. Yeah, and and you got to also consider like with the changes to the um, uh, the bases and then how and how you know the pickoffs next year. Like if steals as a whole increase, it therefore makes John Birdie's value decrease a little bit because by by just nature of things, like more guys will be seeing bases. Therefore, you got to re- you you don't have to rely as much on those single category ones uh, after. Yeah, I, I think my that's sort of. I, I'm very hesitant to make any sort of predictions about the how the stolen base rules impact stuff, but my guess would be that it helps the guys kind of in the middle. Like it, it helps the sort of it helps Vlad Guerrero get to 15 steals, or helps Freddie Freeman get to 18 steals, or or something like that, versus it helping John Birdie get to 50 steals. I, and there was and there was also uh, man, I'll never forget it. Shout out to uh, Rob Silver. 
Um, good follow on, on Twitter. Very smart dude. He, I think for Rotowire, one of the Rotowire magazines two or three years ago, James, and I never forgot it. It was an article where it, it was like the cost of taking those speed only guys and how mm-hmm. that impacts the rest of your categories more than you realize. So like it really yep. brings down like your home run, your ability to compete in home runs in the top three and RBIs, et cetera. So I've always had that in the back of my head when you, when you think speed only guys. So yeah, I, I like the, I had the birdie call, and we confirmed that you hate the Marlins with uh, Rogers and Birdie there. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, okay, yeah, that was a that was a great article by Rob, and uh, I mean, he came on the pod last off season and uh, was dead on about fading Miles Straw, and I I think I made a a pro or not a take Straw, but I made a I'm not crossing him off my list. I think there's a, a time and a place to take Straw, and, and Rob was of course dead on with that call. Hey, Miles uh, my, my, Straw versus Tommy Edmond was a conversation last last. last <laughs> believe it or not, you think um, the Tommy Edmond slander will not stop. Yeah. It, it just won't Dude. stop. <laughs> All right, Eddie, why don't you let people know what uh, what we can be looking for from Prospects Live, uh, Prospects Live Patreon here in in the coming weeks? Yeah, man. Um, uh, plenty plenty of items here. Appreciate you giving me the chance to, to spotlight it here um, on the Prospects Live Patreon. So just kind of for those not familiar, you know, prospectslive.com, the main site, very heavy on uh, MLB draft, very heavy on just like, analytical prospect articles. The Patreon side of things, um, that's where we do all the fantasy stuff. And it's frankly, to be honest, it's what helps us pay the, like the rest of the staff at large. Right. So that's where kind of all of our pretty much most of our uh, money generation comes in. So uh, appreciate any support for there from current patrons. I'm sure I know there's crossover here, James, um, and any maybe future new ones. But next this month we have the top 1,000 dynasty list dropping. This is something that we I've been promising for like over a year, year and a half now, and we're finally making good on it. Um, it's combining minor leaguers and major leaguers, top 1,000, and uh, this is being spearheaded by Jordan Rosenblum. He's uh, using a lot of uh, a lot of formulas, a lot of statistics, a lot of math to help create a foundation. Um, and then we then as a team, me, Dylan White, Drew Wheeler, uh, Matt Thompson come in and then help mold it, uh, you know, a little bit ourselves. That's a big offering for this year or for this, this month, rather next month, uh, top 100 FYPD ranking, top 500 update prospects in February. And if you missed it last month, we released uh, the data driven rankings by Tyrion Alexander, where it's just, it's data that's not public. Again, we don't have the specific numbers to show you, but we do have that 20 to 80 scale, so extremely, extremely useful. There's some names on there, especially younger names that you have not heard about that you don't want to have on your watch list heading into 2023. We have the Batter Comp Tool by Dylan White. Really cool, uh, really cool tool where you can kind of plug in a player's name, his season, and see who are some people historically, like dating back to 2008, that mirror what this prospect is doing. And uh, finally, we are in the middle of the top 30 reports being released. These are the scouting reports, not fantasy driven. They're like full on, like kind of, you know, quote unquote, real life baseball. Um, that's being spearheaded by Jake Kearns, our scouting director. Uh, we released all of the AL West. We're wrapping up the NL West right now. You can all you can find the top 10 for free on the main site. And if you want the full 30 reports for each team, that's at the $5 level at our Patreon. So a lot of stuff. A lot of content. We try to give you the most bang for your buck as possible. And this is where you kind of insert the cliche quote about the cost of a Starbucks coffee per month. <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a great time to support everyone at, at Prospects Live. I am a very satisfied patron. And uh, I think uh, you, you definitely won't regret it if you sign up over there. Uh, lots of good stuff to come this off offseason uh, from those guys. And uh, Eddie, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me. 
Of course, uh, thanks man. So much. Thanks for the invite. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be taking uh, next week off from the pod, but I think Todd Zola, uh, Lord Zola, is going to hop in and pinch hit for me. So uh, look for that next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.